Well, I have to tell you, it's a little bit intimidating to have to preach after you've been out-preached by your daughter, um, but I'll give it my best. Our scripture reading this morning is from one of the many letters that Paul writes to the early churches. Throughout his numerous correspondences, Paul refers to his companions, his confidants, his helpers, and the individuals he's preaching to as friends. In addition to Paul's desire to teach about Jesus, he also shares his wisdom about how these new converts should be living in community as friends in Christ. And today's letter to the believers in Rome is no exception. So from Romans chapter 1, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his Son, is my witness that without ceasing I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. May God continue to bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all of our hearts and minds be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. I love in this passage that literally mid-sentence, Paul changes his mind that he's not just coming to share his spiritual gifts to strengthen his friends in Rome, but he's looking forward to their mutual sharing and encouragement. Throughout his ministry, Paul offers lots of advice on encouraging one another. We heard it in the opening. He grounds himself in gratitude for God and Jesus. He holds his friends in prayer without ceasing. He plans to travel to be with them in person. And in his oft-quoted letter in 1 Corinthians, he speaks of how to love one another as friends. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Although we often hear that read at weddings, Paul is not actually speaking of romantic love. He is speaking of how to care to one another in community as friends, which poses the question, how do we love one another as friends? How do we mutually encourage one another? So think for a moment about your own friendships. What do you do to mutually encourage one another? Is it laughing together? Is it by attentively listening to one another's joys and concerns? I know in our book groups here at First Congo, we mutually encourage one another as we wrestle with large and small questions of faith, as we discern together what we each believe individually and then fully respect one another's beliefs, no matter how different they may be. 
Belgian therapist and author Esther Perel writes this about friendship. Friendship is a love story. Our friends provide community and continuity in an ever-changing world. Our lifelong friends are our witnesses. Isn't that lovely? Our lifelong friends are our witnesses. They accompany us through the trials and tribulations of lovers that come and go, job changes, family rifts, births, deaths, and recoveries. And we are witnesses for each other, commiserating or celebrating together over morning coffee or late night phone calls. Well, I've shared previously that some of the witnesses to my life are my neighborhood friends of the past 30 years. We show up on one another's porches when someone needs to talk. We plow one another's snow if we're unable or out of town. We keep an eye out for one another's children, even now that our children are adults. Many of them are here today as adopted mothers of Alex to hear the story that she shared. I am so grateful for your presence and your love. But we also bring our unique gifts to these friendships. Some of us are amazing gardeners and share our vegetables, our flowers. That's not me. Some of us know one another's favorite bottle of wine and brings it over to shed tears together or to toast good news. Yes, that tends to be me. Others of us are outstanding cooks and we bring meals to one another. That is also not me, which is also a common denominator with another of my friends, which we have come to embrace about each other. During my recent little cancer scare, this particular friend told me she'd be thinking about me and praying for me, but then added, but you know, I won't be bringing you dinner, right? I laughed out loud and was so appreciative because now the next time she's in need, I won't be bringing you dinner either. <laughs> but we have another friend who is an amazing cook and who loves bringing meals. And because of our long tenured, now quite candid friendship, this is how our recent interaction went. She had planned to bring me dinner the night I got home from surgery. As it turned out, my face was so numb I couldn't eat. So Dave gently asked her to hold off on dinner. Well, by the time I was feeling well enough to eat, I told her not to bother bringing dinner because I was fully capable of cooking my own. So this is how our text exchange went. My friend, how are you doing? I'm working from home Friday, so how about I bring you dinner? Me, I'm feeling much better. You're sweet to offer, but I'm really fine now. My friend, you turning down my cooking? <laughs> Me, I am, I would feel guilty. My friend, why? You should feel worse about refusing me bringing you dinner. <laughs> I'm bringing you dinner, darn it. Me, sheesh, fine, bring the darn dinner. My friend, glad to, and you are going to enjoy it. <laughs> and yes, I did love the dinner and now know to never under any circumstances turn down a dinner from this dear friend. You still owe me homemade ice cream though. <laughs> As I was considering Paul's encouragement to mutually encourage one another, it also got me thinking about Jesus. He was certainly a friend to his disciples, but I'm not sure how much they actually encouraged him at times. 
After all, they woke him from a deep sleep because their faith wasn't strong enough to calm the raging sea. There was that night before his death, he asked them to stay awake and pray with him, and they fell asleep. And in spite of Jesus telling Peter he would deny him and Judas that he would betray him, his friends did exactly that. And yet scripture tells us that just as Judas is about to identify Jesus to the authorities, Jesus places his hand on his shoulder and he says, friend, do what you are here to do. To the end, he called them friend. One author says this about friendship. True friendship holds a mirror to our foibles and failings without destroying our sense of worthiness. True friendship nurtures our, nurtures our hopes, supports us in our disappointment, and encourages us to grow to our best potential. Well, I think that's the kind of friendship that Jesus modeled with his disciples. In spite of their shortcomings, Jesus chooses to send out these bumbling, slow to understand followers, working in and through them to teach, heal, and deliver those in need. In like manner, he chooses us and sends us out to accomplish with his love and support things beyond what we could ask or imagine. Like Paul, Jesus expects us to mutually encourage one another. While the disciples may have fallen short in their mutual support of Jesus, I believe Jesus did have some friends who supported him in this way. You've probably heard of his friends Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. While many of the biblical translations use the word friend to talk about their relationship, actually a more accurate, accurate translation for the word friend is to cherish. Jesus cherished Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus was known to visit them and dine with them. Martha was the friend who went above and beyond to bring Jesus that lovely meal. And it was Mary who was more interested in sitting at his feet to listen to all that he had to say. And it was Mary who anointed Jesus' feet with perfume and wipes his feet with her hair. She offered an extravagant act of kindness. And we often hear that Jesus wept when he learned that his cherished friend Lazarus died. But here is an interesting thing about that story. When Jesus first receives the message from Mary and Martha that Lazarus has fallen gravely ill and summons him to their side, Jesus waits. In fact, he waits two days. And when he is finally just outside of town, Martha has to run out to meet him to tell him that her brother has already died. But Jesus proclaims, your brother will rise again. Martha returns home and tells Mary that she is to go out and meet Jesus. Mary is accompanied by her friends who would gather to console her. Mary falls at Jesus' feet and says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw her friends weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. It is now that Jesus weeps. It didn't seem to be the news of his friend's death, for he knows that Lazarus will rise, but it is his witnessing Mary and her friends' great distress that moves Jesus to weep. It is his huge, compassionate heart for others 
that moves him to tears. Well, Paul must have heard this story as well, for we hear a little later in his letter to his friends in Rome, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Rich often reminds us, as he did today, prior to our sharing of joys and concerns, that this is our calling as well. Jesus models this beautiful example of how we might mutually encourage one another, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, that we may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith, yours and mine. Well, I referenced Esther Perel's series of writings on friendship a moment ago, and each of her newsletters concludes with questions to ponder, and so I share some of those with you now to consider. Who is there for you? Who do you consider your chosen family? With whom would you like to spend a whole day? If you felt you could ask more from a friend, what would you ask for? And for whom are you there for? What are the special gifts you bring to your friendships? What do you think you could do a little better? Well, here at church, will you extend the peace of Christ to your neighbor after service? Will you seek out someone you've never met before and introduce yourself? And I would add, on this one year anniversary of our embracing our covenant of inclusion, who needs your special welcome? Who needs your encouragement for them to know they are fully and deeply loved? Just as Jesus cherish, cherishes each of us, may we find new and profound ways to cherish one another. May it be so. Amen. <laughs> Will you please turn to the front of your hymn books, where there is our church's mission statement and then the covenant of inclusion. Will you please rise or rise in spirit and let us read together on this first anniversary of the acceptance of our covenant of, inc of inclusion. We, the first congregational church of Western Springs, United Church of Christ, strive to be people of extravagant welcome. We affirm that all people are created in the image of God, and we celebrate the diversity of God's creation. As we seek to become faithful disciples of Jesus Christ and endeavor to live out our shared mission, we respect and gladly receive persons of every race, ethnicity, nationality, gender, gender identity and expression, sexual orientation, mental and physical ability, age, socioeconomic status, marital standing and family structure, and religious background. We affirm that the Holy Spirit gathers us as a congregation in which all persons are invited to participate in the life, leadership, ministry, fellowship, worship, sacraments, responsibilities, blessings, concerns, and joys of our community of faith. We hope and pray that by establishing and embodying this covenant of inclusion, we might fully follow Christ's commandment to love God and neighbor 
and be a safe place where God's love abounds. Please be seated and receive this video celebration. 